All right. Man, listening to that song, I would never have known that the majority of you stayed up late and watched the Braves win, you know? Would not have known that. You had some energy. Hey, great to see you today. Thanks so much for joining us here at East Brainerd. As always, if this is your first time, we are so thankful that you have uh, come to come to be with us, no matter where it is that you have uh, journeyed from. Met some people today that came from Japan. That was pretty awesome. Word has spread. I told you, word's getting out. So, uh, man, we are glad that you are here, no matter where you have come to us from. And for those of you who are part of our church family, whether you're here in person or watching online, thanks so much for being a part of our time of praise and encouragement today. We're starting something new today. As you can see, Missing Jesus is going to be a theme that we're going to be running with for the next few weeks. We finished up last week a series that dealt with discovering our best life and Hopefully we were able to focus in on the fact that our best life is found in Jesus Christ. So this week I've got to ask, do you know Jesus? Because you know his teachings, probably. I mean, most of us are familiar with at least some of the teachings of Jesus. We know about his history. But if you think about it, the Bible just gives us a very limited, narrow window into our Savior's life. And even though we, we only get small snapshots, there are things that stick out to us. I mean, there's Jesus being baptized by John, and and then there's Jesus being confronted by Satan in the desert. We know about the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus feeding the 5,000, and Jesus walking on water. You look over here in Scripture, and, well, there's Jesus confronting the Pharisees, and, well, right over there you look, and, man, he is healing someone who has been sick all their life. You have his betrayal, his trial, there's the crucifixion, and then all of a sudden you have the resurrection, and he's gone. Now, all these events are very prominent there in Scripture, but they're still limited in scope. And it just seems like that if Jesus is the source of life, that we would just be given more, right? Scripture tells us that in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, and at many times in various ways. But in these last days, the Hebrews writer says that God has spoken to us through his Son. You see, Jesus is God's communication device. He is heaven's YouTube channel. You listen to Jesus... And you are listening and hearing God. You watch Jesus and you are watching God. Colossians 2 and verse 9 tells us that the entire fullness, the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Jesus Christ. You see, through Jesus, God is saying, look, here I am. This is what I look like. This is how I act. This is how I think. Yet only four out of the 66 books in the Bible focus on his story. And even though we've, we've got those four, three out of the four kind of tread over the same territory. Now look, I know the entire canon of Scripture is the story of the Messiah, but only a few pages, only a few pages there in Scripture communicate to us, hey look, this is what God looks like. And here's what I'm afraid has happened. I'm afraid that we, instead of reading the Gospels in order to gain a glimpse of the living God, I'm afraid that sometimes we approach Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as if they were each a cadaver on which we must perform a post-mortem. And so we go there and we dissect Jesus' teachings in hopes of discovering the right interpretation of a specific phrase. We place each of the stories about Jesus there under the microscope, hoping that we find some hidden meaning. And in the process, well, we've learned a lot about Jesus. But I'm afraid in the process, well, I just wonder... Have you missed Jesus? Have you missed his personality and his passion? 
Have you missed what makes Jesus laugh? Have you missed what makes Jesus cry? I mean, we know the miracles. We've, we've studied those before. But how about Jesus' motives? Do we know and understand that? We know what he taught, but how about what he thought? We, we've learned the parables, but, but have we missed the person? And if we have, could that be why our church's witness has suffered? You know, last week I told you that only three out of every ten adults under the age of 40 are affiliated with a church community. Could it be that the church's outreach is missing Jesus? And how about your family? You come to church, but does Jesus live in your home? Is Jesus missing from your family? Or how about your politics and your social causes? You get all fired up. But have you alienated your family and friends? Could it be that Jesus is missing from your actions and, and your dialogue? See, something we need to understand, outreach without Jesus is manipulation. And family without Jesus is just every person for themselves. And social justice without Jesus is just short-sighted. Jesus gives meaning and, and Jesus gives depth and Jesus gives purpose to everything that we do. And so if we miss Jesus, then we miss life. And if we miss Jesus, we miss God. And that is the main thing. You know, I can remember being in an airport in Miami back when I was in college. We were on a trip to Jamaica and uh, we were sitting there in Miami and all of a sudden they come up and they announce over the loudspeaker that our flight to Jamaica was being delayed. And that truly, they said this, because we are missing a part. Yeah. So there we are, sitting in the airport, and they say, sorry, flight 352 to Jamaica is being delayed because we are missing a part. And I'm like, guys, anybody else a little concerned about this? Are we talking about, you know, a... Um, uh, a lap tray? I mean, are, are we talking about a wing? What are we talking about? What is it that we are missing from this plane that is keeping us from taking off? Because whatever it was, it was important. And I didn't want to take off until we found what was missing. And so finally, after a couple of hours, as we were sitting there, they come on and say, flight to Jamaica, now boarding. And I'm like, uh-uh. <laughs> Not until you tell me. Did you find what was missing? I want to know. I want to know before I get on this plane. Did you find what was missing? Because what was missing was so important that that plane was not taking off. And guys, I want you to know that if you do not have Jesus and the personality and the passion and the motives of the Savior of the world, then you're missing the most important thing that you need to have present in your life. Because it's going to influence the way that you communicate with others and the way that you live your life and the passions that you yourself have. I'm afraid we've missed Jesus. So last week I said we need to spend more time with Jesus. We need to spend more time with the words in red in order to become more like Jesus and then to encourage others to go and do the same. That's our mission. And I know that those of you who are here this morning and, and those who are watching with us also and listening online I understand there's a lot of you here who know a lot about Jesus. But could there be some aspects of our Savior that we have missed? Could there be some attributes of Jesus missing from our lives? Missing from our church? Missing from our homes? That, that if those things were present, that it could make all the difference. We're not able to take off because we're missing what's most important. So here's what we're going to do. Over the next few weeks, we're going to 
Well, we're not going to um, just examine Jesus' teachings and just look at stories. We're going to try to look at the person and the personality of Jesus. Because reading the Gospels without knowing the personality of Jesus has been described as watching television with the sound turned off. The effect is dry and it's two-dimensional. You get this person that's saying and doing strange things that are confusing. You know, your personality is what makes you you and, and someone else someone else. You have your own voice and you have your own quirks. You have your own likes and your own dislikes. You know, for many of us, the first thing that we heard about our spouse was they have a great personality, right? Didn't you love that when you were looking to go out on a date? It's like, hey, can you describe her for me? You know, she has a great personality. Man, weren't you fired up to go on that date after you heard that one? Well, maybe not at the time, but then after you met her, after you saw him, you were like, they do, they've got a great personality. And you were attracted to that. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the personality of Jesus. Because I don't want to know about someone's grades or hobbies. I want you to know what they're like. In the same way, I want to know what Jesus, not just what he did, I want to know who Jesus was and who Jesus is. Because if we miss his personality, then we miss Jesus. So let's kick things off this morning. Let's kick it off by reminding ourselves not to miss Jesus' kindness. All right? Let's not miss Jesus' kindness. We're quick to understand and think about his power and authority, but those who were nearest to Jesus knew that God revealed himself with kindness. He was kind enough to have lunch with a thief. He was kind enough to bless a suffering daughter. He was kind enough to, to walk away from hatred. He was kind enough to care about a... a a family that was about to lose face. But here's what we need to understand. In the biblical language, the word for kindness carries an idea that our English language, our English word, just does not have. Primarily, it refers to an act of grace, but it also refers to a deed or to a person who is useful and well fit to be used for what is actually and really needed at the moment. It's the idea of useful kindness. It's not just doing something where someone will say, oh man, that is just, that is just so sweet. That's, that's nice. Biblical kindness is doing something good that is needed in the moment. Kindness in biblical terms is both pleasant and practical. But we don't really have an English term that combines the notion of kind and, and good together. But we do have Jesus. So let's look at something. In Middle Eastern Jewish culture, few things mattered as much as hospitality. A person demonstrated that he was a true child of Abraham by welcoming others into his home and to be with his family. And we're not merely talking about extending an, an open door and open arms, but, but we're talking about providing safety and provision. To receive an invitation from someone during Jesus' day meant that you were being invited to a place where you would be cared for and you would be honored. You would be honored by the one who had sent out the invitation to you. And But because our Western society, we are so much more individualistic and less communal, Oftentimes when we go to places in scripture and we read different accounts and we miss some of the weight that is present there. So I want us to look for a moment in John chapter 2. If you want to open your Bibles there or get out your phone, that'll be great. See, this is where Jesus was invited along with his disciples to attend the wedding of some friends. It was a multiple day event and, and it was one of those events that it was as much for the couple being celebrated as it was for everybody that was coming to enjoy the festivities. But chalk it up to poor planning or overindulgence, there was a moment that came when they looked around and they realized that all the wine was gone. 
It was kind of like running out of turkey on Thanksgiving or, or not having ham at Christmas as everybody is going through and not everyone has had their plate filled yet. You look around and it's like, but where did the turkey go? And Well, you don't have any. Well, where's the ham? Well, let me run down to the store and see what I can find real fast. You see, the wine was gone. The servants were in a panic. The host family was trying to decide how they were going to make apologies to their guest. Embarrassment and fear and shame began to overtake a moment that was supposed to be filled with utter celebration. It was supposed to be the family's happiest days of their life. Well, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was at this event. And Mary knew something about embarrassment. And she knew something about fear. And she knew something about shame. And so when she learned of the predicament, she went and told her son. Now, can you picture over here to the side... Mary and Jesus in the corner speaking together in hushed tones. Why are you wanting to involve me in this? Jesus asked her. It's not time. You see, Jesus is talking about the greater mission, but Mary is focused on the present need. And knowing that whatever Jesus decided would be the right thing at the right time, she told the wedding servants, just do whatever he tells you to do. So let's pick up reading in verse 7 of chapter 2. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of the ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you... You've kept the best until now. But the celebration is about to get turned up to another level. The master of the ceremonies was happy. The servants were shocked. The bridegroom was praised. The host family, man, they were relieved. And the wedding feast was saved. Woo! I mean, this is a huge moment. And for the first time, we're told there in John chapter 2, we're told that Jesus revealed by this act that he was God. But he did so in such a crazy way, right? It's so obscure. I mean, if it had been up to us, wouldn't we have wanted Jesus to do something different, a little bit more, I don't know, with some more pizzazz, right? I mean, maybe we'd want him to come onto the scene and cast out some demons and show that he had power over Satan. Or I'm sure that there were some sick people there in town, in Canaan. There were some people who needed healing. That's where you start, Jesus. That's what we want to see. But turning water into wine? I mean, let's be honest, we don't get it. And so we debate it. And we dissect it. I mean, surely it wasn't real wine. <laughs> but it was. We don't know what to do with a Jesus who reveals himself to be God by keeping the party going. His first miracle was saving a family from looking like poor host. He ensured that the wedding guest would be talking for days about the hospitality that they had been shown. Well, what are we supposed to learn from that? Could it be something as simple as Jesus is kind? He did something good that was needed in the moment. So let me ask you, how kind are you? What's your kindness quotient? When was the last something that, last time that you did something that was needed in the moment 
He did it for your family. You just got up and got a blanket. You cleaned off the table. You picked up a cup of coffee. Or think about something at school or in the workplace. Which person is the most overlooked there? Which person is the most avoided? Is it a shy student? Is it a grumpy coworker? Is it someone who struggles to speak English? Someone who doesn't know how to fit in? Someone who doesn't share your morals and values? Are you kind to that person? How about the church? Do you understand that perhaps the neediest person that you will meet all week is someone that you passed in the lobby earlier this morning? Or maybe that's someone that's sitting behind you right now. Your kindness quotient is revealed in your words and your actions in the moment. It's when you let that car cut in front of you in the pickup line or you let the mom with three kids get in front of you in the grocery checkout line. The grass needs to be cutting so you fire up the lawnmower. A meal needs to be served so you turn on the stove or you pull out the debit card. A conversation needs to be shared so you go for a walk and talk. The Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10, Therefore, wherever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those of the family of faith. Now, again, here is one of those verses that we would love to take out of the Bible. You know, we would just love it if this one wasn't here. And, and we would love if it wasn't here for, for a specific word that's there. Look at this verse again. Therefore, whenever we have opportunity, we're okay with that. But then it says we should do good to everyone. So here comes the challenge. So Chris, are you saying that we have to be kind to the people who are unkind to us? I mean, it's one thing to help out the family who invites you to their wedding, but what about the person who refuses to invite you, in, invite you to the party? What about the person that will not speak to you, the person that will, will not eat with you, the, the, the person that will have nothing to do with you? Do you have to be kind to that individual as well? well let's look one more time at Jesus. Remember what I said earlier about the expectation of, of hospitality in Middle Eastern Jewish culture? Well, there was one line that was not crossed when it came to hospitality. And that was when it came to Jews and Samaritans. Now, even though they shared a common heritage, they, they just could not see past their differences. They lived in the same land, but they wished that they did not. They each worshipped Jehovah God, but the Jews worshipped in Jerusalem, and the Samaritans were there up there on Mount Gerizim. The Samaritans read the books of Moses, but the Jews read the writings of Moses and the prophets. And they argued over who was right and who was wrong. And for centuries, they made it a practice to despise one another. So it's not surprising that once when Jesus was looking for hospitality in a Samaritan village, they were told that the people there did not welcome him because he was headed for Jerusalem. It's also not really surprising the response of Jesus' followers. When James and John witnessed the attitude of the Samaritans, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven so that we can toast these guys? I mean, that was what they asked. Now, I told you, hospitality was a big deal. And, and all of a sudden, these people are turning Jesus away. And you don't know who we got out here that needs a place to sleep. Lord, let us take care of these people. We're going to show them what's what. We understand that attitude, don't we? I mean, we get it. You don't help me on a project, then I'm going to make you look bad in front of the boss. You don't want me at your party? That's all right. I'll just embarrass you on social media. You don't want to vote like me? No problem. I'll unfriend and I'll cancel you. Don't believe the way I believe about a biblical issue? I'll just write you up in my online blog. 
Guys, our words and our actions are clear. You don't like me, you don't act like me, I'll call down fire from heaven. I'll toast you. Yeah. That's what I'll do. But look what Jesus did. It says that he turned and he rebuked James and John. Now the word that means, that's translated rebuked here is a word that means to, to warn by instruction. Chiefly, it means to, to warn in order to prevent something from going wrong. Basically, Jesus is telling James and John, guys, be, par be careful what you ask for. Be careful. Because what goes around, comes around. And then it just says that he and his disciples went to another village. You know, sometimes the kindest thing a person can do is simply walk away. You just walk away. You walk away from the fight or the argument. You push back from the keyboard. You just put down the phone. You surprise the person who is unkind to you with kindness. You don't respond to them with the same attitude. And you definitely don't stand there and ratchet up all the drama. You just go to another village. Now look, I know it's not easy. But mercy is the deepest gesture of kindness. And it's why Jesus said, hey, love your enemies. Another place that we would love to take that one out of the Bible. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. He continued, love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind. He's kind to the ungrateful. He's kind to the wicked. And so he says, be merciful just as your heavenly father is merciful. So did you catch it? Jesus said that we should be kind because our God is kind. We are to be merciful because God is merciful. We are to have kindness at home. There is to be kindness in public. We should have kindness in the church. We should show kindness to our enemies. But could it be that what is missing most in our life could it be that what is missing most in our witness and the reason that more and more people are saying I don't want what you church people got is because we have missed the kindness of our Savior we've missed Jesus so one more thing perhaps the person who could use Jesus kindness the most is you don't we tend to be really tough on ourselves I mean, like the young couple at the wedding, we don't always plan ahead. Like the Samaritans, we are inhospitable to those who are different from us. Like James and John, there are times that we just let our anger get the best of us. I want you to think about something. Did Jesus scold the couple because the wine ran out? No. Did he punish the Samaritans? I can't find it. Did he kick, did he kick James and John out of his friend group and say, I can't believe you want to treat people that way. You can't follow me anymore. No, he was kind to them. And he's kind to us. Derek read it earlier in Titus chapter 3. It says, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Did you know that that's, that's how scripture defines Jesus? As the kindness and love of God. See, since he's that kind to us, Shouldn't we be a little bit more kinder to ourselves? I mean, Jesus says he'll forgive our faults. Why can't we do the same?
If he believes in you enough to call you ambassador and friend, then why can't you believe in yourself? Author John Eldridge is right. He says the way that you treat your own heart is the way that you will treat everyone else's. So be kind to yourself so that you can be kind to others. Friends, too many people are missing Jesus in their lives. So this week, here's what I want you to do. We're going to have homework every week. I love it. Right? Some of you are like, no, I got out of school just for this reason. Sorry, going to have homework. We're going to test and we're going to see how you did. Just wait. You have no idea what the test will be, but it's going to be a doozy. Here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to look to be a blessing to at least three different people. Just three. Oh, I'd love it if it was 30, but I mean, come on. Let's start slow. I want you to show kindness, the kindness of Jesus, first to yourself. I want you to think of a way that, that you just need to be kind to yourself. Let yourself off the hook or, you know, do something kind for yourself. Give yourself a break. Give yourself a rest. And then I want you to go and show kindness to another individual. Now remember, the kindness of Jesus is not just doing some nice, random act necessarily. Kindness is doing something good that is needed in the moment. So there's somebody in your life. There's somebody at home. There's somebody at school. There's somebody at work. Somebody in this community that you're going to be around this week. And it's going to come to you and you're going to realize this is something that I can do for them. And I can show the kindness of Jesus. That's the second person. The third person I would love for you to show kindness to is someone to whom you just do not get along with and someone that just doesn't like you. Now I know that's hard to believe because your mama said everybody loves you. <laughs> mama lied. <laughs> oh, she loves you and all, but she lied when she said that because there are people that do not like you. And you know who those people are. And you need to go and be kind to them this week. Something pleasant, something practical. He's like, well, how, how do I see that? How do I do that? Because it's not part of our nature. It's not what we're, we're used to doing. So you would pray for an opportunity. You open your eyes to the needs of the people around you. You become intentional. And I truly believe this. You ask God. I ask God for an opportunity to live like Jesus, and he will give that opportunity. You're not going to ask God, hey, let me be like Jesus this week, and God say, eh, nah. No, we don't have, we got, we got enough Jesus out there. We don't need any more Jesus people. We don't need any more Jesus kindness out there. Now you pray for an opportunity and God will give you that opportunity. Guys, we've spent a lot of time listening to Jesus' teachings. And we've spent a lot of time learning his stories. But through all of that training and through all of that trying, I am really afraid though that we have missed the person of Jesus. Friends, Jesus is kind. And it's time that his followers be known that way as well. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for the kindness that you poured out on us in Jesus. And we thank you for the example that he gives us, not just in his commands, not just in the stories that we have of him, but when we just see that he was filled with kindness and he did things in the moment that just were the right things to do at the right time. He kept the party going and we look at that and wonder, man, there had to have been something else that he could have done to, to show his glory, to show you for the first time. 
There it is. And we want to dissect it. We want to debate it. But right there it is. He revealed you by being kind. And then he just walks away when people don't want to show him kindness. When people don't want to give him a place to stay. When people are unkind to him. He could have gone along with, with his friends and said, sure, let's just... He could have said, sure, let's just take matters into our own hands. But instead, he did what we have such a hard time doing. He was kind and he walked away. Father, we need that kindness in our lives. We need that, that kindness to be present in our homes. We need that kindness in the classroom and we need that kindness in the boardroom. We need that kindness in our dialogue. We need that kindness in our politics. We need that, that kindness in our social actions. We need that kindness with people who are our friends and Father with people who, who we don't like and people that we know that do not like us. But we're just missing. Somewhere along the way we have missed Jesus. And so what we ask for today is an opportunity an opportunity to demonstrate the kindness that we have been reminded of today. To give that kindness to ourselves, to, to allow us to see how you treat us, and then, Father, treat ourselves appropriately. See ourselves as you see us. And then to share that kindness with someone else in the moment, knowing that we are useful and helpful, and this is what is needed right here and right now. And, Father, to be able to share that kindness to those who have hurt us. It sounds so easy. And yet, Father, it's so difficult. But yet it's something that is so needed right here and now. So may it start with us this week. May it start with the husband. May it start with the wife. May it start with the child. May it start with each and every one of us who claim to be followers of Jesus. That we would be as kind as Jesus. So that he would not be missing from our lives. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray together. Amen. Guys, go be kind this week. Go be kind and let the person of Jesus be the person that you are. We're going to be singing together and want you to know that in our lobby is a prayer room and if you'd like to go and meet with one of our elders to have prayer you're welcome to do so as we are singing together we want you to know that if you'd like to know more about becoming a follower of Jesus being baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins we'd love to have that conversation with you and so again one of our elders will be in our prayer room it's located just off of our lobby give you an opportunity in private to go and to speak and to talk about anything that perhaps is on your heart Guys, it's been great to be here today. I hope that you're just as excited about being here as you were last night when the Braves won. We're going to look for another victory tonight. Be safe if you're going out tonight and you're trick-or-treating. Take care of those kiddos. Don't eat up all the candy, mom and dad. And no matter who comes to your door, be kind. Let's stand and sing together.